It is good to be worshiping with you here today. At this time, I'd like to invite Chris Trailer up to bring the word to us this morning. So, I've been eating a lot of sugar lately, like an absolute ridiculous amount. A batch of cookies has an expected shelf life of about two days, and before that last one's even gone, the pan of cinnamon rolls is halfway through baking, which also has about a two-day life expectancy. It seems forever ago that I was deep into intermittent fasting, running like every day, even lifting some weights while following an online coach. To say that there's been a disruption would be putting it almost offensively. A global pandemic, some recession, civil unrest, any one of these three would be enough to derail the uphill battle of self-improvement. But to have all three at the same time is just unreal. See, when COVID-19 started becoming a familiar word around my office, we took computers home and we started dialing into meetings. We adjusted, we adapted uh, to persevere despite the setback. But it certainly did not take long to find that no one was answering the phones when I called them. That emails went unanswered and without a coworker next to me, either making progress or stuck in the same rut, the feeling of being alone just got heavier and heavier. By that point, we were a week into e-learning and the mornings would bring tears from us parents. But it was okay, right? Uh, it was all gonna be over in a few weeks, so uh, we can endure being IT support specialists and teachers till the end, right? So just when we were getting most of the bugs worked out of e-learning, I started getting updates from running buddies announcing their furloughs. Most of you listening to this know that I'm a runner, and some of you are even part of the large group of guys that meet every Friday for our lap of Harriet and Bible study. Well, a group me's text stream was formed inviting guys from a running group to chime in with either their job loss or job availability so others could pray for them or send them help and connect them with resources during this downturn. This was and is a really, really great thing. However, new alerts came in at a rate that violated my expectancy. With the ding, ding, and I started to carry a little more in the backpack by shoving COVID fears as deep into the side as I could, by folding up the e-learning anxiety just real tight and keeping it in just a side pocket. So where was this gonna go now? The furloughs were not even happening to me. But it has before, and I know that pain. And hearing about it happening to someone else someone that you know that you love you carry that pain with them ding ding my office zoom meetings focused their conversations around returning soon people were hopeful uh, for a resumed normalcy after months of isolation you know we anticipated that it would not look the same you know we thought we would have teams taking turns in attendance and have limited access to areas of the office but what we did not know is that our leadership team had decided that this return would not even be considered until September. Then my dad called me. He wanted me to know that his mom, my last grandparent, was not doing so well at all. At nearly 98 years old, she passed away that same night of his call. There would not be a funeral due to COVID-19 and a memorial service will be held in either the late summer or maybe early fall, maybe. 
Disappointment got pressed into that bag from the office call. It was light, but it was disappointment all the same. But this, this was loss. This was grief, and there was no place to process it like you can at a funeral. I could run, and that would help, but it was always a solo run. So it was not really a surprise at all to know that the feelings stuffed into my bag to this point began to attach themselves to each other. They were jumbled together and would stick to an experience without any sense to it. Why would my grandmother's passing create a sense of fear for me? Why would my office keeping its doors closed for the summer cause me to sleep in a state of anxiety to a point that any little sound in the, in the house would wake me and keep me up for hours? And here's the even crazier part. I totally love working from home. I love hearing my wife and the kids and our dog and being able to commute 20 steps to and from work. I love being able to drop everything, lace up for a run when it feels needed the most. I love being able to sip a coffee and hear about the morning routines that each of them experience and then get right back after it. I love it. And at the same time, I carry just a little sense of something missing. And it took some time to figure out that it was not being home that created a sense of anxiety in me as much it was, as much as it was all the other emotions being held onto in one place without being resolved. So like so many other families, if not all the other families, we wanted a break and escape from everything. And usually Memorial Day weekend supplies that break by bringing our extended families together for a weekend of celebrating group birthdays that all kind of happen around the same time. It is always a great time and the kids absolutely love it. And this year it was decided that it was smartest to not go uh, due to the COVID situation. So we stayed home and we stayed small and we had no idea that the world we said goodnight to on Monday night would not be the same world that we woke up to the next day. On Wednesday that week, our family decided to go for a walk around Lake Harriet. We made it nearly a full lap when we asked my eight-year-old daughter, hey, uh, where's your sweater? <sighs> so Angie and the youngest headed back to the van, which is about 100 yards ahead of us, and I took the dog and the other three kids and reversed course and started hunting. We found the sweater, and yes, it was almost at the point where we started. Frustration right into the bag. With the sweater in hand, as we were finishing up the walk, we hit a patch of trail with some spray paint on it. My 13-year-old read it to herself and looked at me with wide eyes. My 11-year-old began to read it out loud, and as he read it, he stopped as his brain processed the swearing before his mouth could speak it. My 8-year-old just asked me, What's it say? Written on the walk path was a statement that read, F the police, F white people. That was it. We spent the remaining quarter mile processing why was this written? Who would write it? What would be going on inside of them to make them feel that way? And what's happening around them to push them to express this kind of thing? How does our position to play a role in that? That quarter mile will remain one of the hardest and healthiest in all my laps of Harriet. The death of George Floyd, the protests on police brutality, and the damage sustained by our city, it consumes my thoughts all the time. 
I cannot listen to music without thinking about it. I cannot pet my dog without recounting it. I cannot play with my kids without dwelling on it. There is not a moment that passes without some tie being connected to what was lost in George's life, to what was lost in his children's lives, and to what was lost in the communities in which he served. But by now, my bag was stuffed to the max, so any feelings around this would just have to hang out for a minute until they could be swapped for one in the bag. I spoke to Mary this week, and she let me know about a book, Wholeheartedness, by Chuck DeGroat, that also speaks to this idea of keeping and carrying a bag of stories around with us. The idea is there is, the idea there, right, is that anything that we have been told that's either not good about us or that we've been told, you know, like, good boys don't do this or good girls don't do that, that all gets shoved into the bag and we carry it and it grows as we stuff more and more into that bag until it gets to a point where as we're walking around, we smash into people with that. Chuck often gets a question asked of him all the time that I find timely in our world now. You know, he's asked about understanding. His clients say, like, I don't, I don't understand why I think the thoughts I do or why I gravitate to the negative so easily. I do not understand. He then speaks to us as having chances or opportunities to learn something about the answers. He says this, we have opportunities. Sometimes the opportunity comes with age as we find that we are not as resilient as we once were and we, come, we become wearier as we drag the long bag behind us. Sometimes the opportunity comes when a spouse or coworker or a friend gets inadvertently hit with the contents of the bag, which over time seems to develop holes and seepage. Sometimes the opportunity comes to a significant failure, which requires us to take a long, hard look at who we truly are. Sometimes the opportunity comes through exhaustion, which leads us into a therapist's office, where we try for the first time to get to know our stories. My point is that eventually we will need to open the bag of secrets. Inside, we will find not just understanding, but the wholeheartedness we seek. We are broken. I am broken. Events in our lives and happenings around the world are a constant reminder of this. And the more that is upended from pandemics to recessions, to civil unrest, our bags just get a little heavier by the day. We have an opportunity before us. We have a chance to set our bag down for a minute and examine our stories. But before we do, we must know something that makes it safe. We must know that we are fully known. The Bible's full of these promises, like this one in 1 Corinthians. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. See, to be fully known and fully known by God is one of the safest and scariest things. Scary because the same person who made the entire universe is also able to see me and see inside my secret bag. However, it is safe because despite the bag or its contents or God knowing all about it, I am found in all of it as being his and loved all the same. This means we have an opportunity. It may not be pain-free, but it will be freeing. We have a chance to lean into things as they are happening, to explore the context of, contents of our bag on our backs and become familiar with their stories. Stories that are 
yours and mine and make us whole. Stories that make me timid around things like protests. Stories that tell me, you know, good boys are nice and kind and polite, not loud, aggressive, and angry. So when I go running and pass down Harriet or down Hennepin, right, on the way to Harriet and cross down Lake Street, I can see the sidewalk messages, take in the incredible art on the plywood protected storefronts, and see them for what they are, and not as a threat to me my bag tries to make me be. It means I have an opportunity to hear the dings of job losses and know that my story of my own job losses helps make me stronger in this unstable time and able to show up for those in need rather than anxiously anticipating some fear constructed by my old stories stuffed in the bag. When I take the time to examine the stories, learn when they came from and what they mean, it helps me become whole having connected with my stories, understand them and learn from them and live forward, trusting in the promise of being fully known. I invite you to examine where you find discomfort and where you find your face scowl and your thoughts shut down. Trust that you're already known and already loved and explore your stories to help make yourself whole. Amen.